Well, this morning, we have a very unique format for us. Uh, We're not going to sing a couple of songs and then uh, hear a 35, 40-minute message. Uh, Today, the message is going to be weaved throughout our whole entire morning together. Uh, You know we've been doing this series called His Story, where we believe the Bible is the story of Jesus. So we've been looking, starting all the way back in Genesis, and we're working our way through, looking at how all of it points to Christ. And this week, we come to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is the most quoted prophet in all of the Old Testament. In fact, he's quoted so many times that uh, the uh, the other prophets can't even compare. Like, you combine all the other quotes of the other Old Testament prophets, and there's still more quotes of Isaiah. The the stuff out of Isaiah is so well-known, it's actually, like, memorized by people in our culture. And so lots and lots of people know the book of Isaiah and its words. But rather than kind of just go through it in one message, we thought we would look at Isaiah in whole because Isaiah does the birth, I mean, the birth, the life, the death, and resurrection of Christ throughout the entire book. And so we thought it would be fun for us to kind of look at the entire life, the entire arc of the story of Jesus through Isaiah. And so all the scripture you're going to hear this morning comes from the book of Isaiah. You'll see a few references on the screen that that show the fulfillment of that in the New Testament. But everything we're going to look at uh, here today comes from Isaiah. Words written 700 years before Jesus ever set foot on earth as a baby. So I hope you're ready as we go back to the beginning, back to his birth. And yes, we're going to sing Christmas songs. So let me pray. Father, as we come to look at the life of Jesus, may you touch each and every person here. Everyone walked in here today with something different. Some have had a really good week. Some have had a tough week. Some have been wrestling for a long time. Some have been in a fantastic season. And yet, despite where each person is at individually, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would meet each and every one of us, that you would impact us today with your gospel message as we look at the entire life of Jesus. So Father, draw us to you. Help us see the power and beauty of Christ through all of Amen. Would you please rise?
Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. 9-2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Rejoice. 
may be seated again. Emmanuel did come. Jesus was fully God and yet fully human. And like a human, grew. And as he grew up, he learned his father's trade, carpentry. But he also studied in a way that he could become a rabbi. And one particular Sabbath day, as the Jews were gathered in the temple, Jesus was handed the scroll to read as part of their mourning. And he opened to the book of Isaiah. And he read these words. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll, handed it over, and said, Today, these words have been fulfilled. Jesus knew that these prophecies written 700 years before he ever came to earth were about him, that he was the fulfillment of them. And multiple times he fulfilled the words from Isaiah. Another such instance comes in Isaiah 49. Jesus in John chapter 8 declared that he was the light of the world. And when he said that, he uh, fulfilled this. And now the Lord says... He who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, that Israel might be gathered to him, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob, to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of of the earth. And to make it absolutely abundantly clear that God had chosen Jesus as his Messiah, as this light of the world, God had Jesus go down to the Jordan River to be baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. And when Jesus came up out of that water, it says that the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And as it did, it fulfilled this verse from Isaiah 11. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. This is Jesus. Even in his life, he fulfilled the words of Isaiah and he deserves to be praised. So let's stand and sing Jesus.
There is a name I call in times of troubles. There is a song that comforts in the night. There is a voice that calms the storms that rages. He is Jesus. Jesus. Who walks on the waters? Who speaks to the sea? stands in the fire beside me. He roars like a light. He bled as a lamb. He carries my healing in His hand. Oh, Jesus. Messiah, my Savior, there is power You're my rock and my redeemer. There's power. There is power in your name. Sing that again. Oh, Messiah. Messiah, my Savior. There is power in your name. You're my rock and my redeemer. There is power. Jesus. There was no one like him in his birth, being born of a virgin. There was no one like him in life, being fully God and fully man. And there was also no one like him in his death. Jesus is the only human to have ever lived a completely sinless life, committed no crime, committed nothing against his father. And yet, the Jewish leaders saw him as a threat to their religion. The Roman authorities saw him as a threat to their reign and their government. And so even though he was no criminal, even though he had never done anything wrong, they killed him. But as we're about to see, this was the plan of the Father. God wanted him to die. Because you see, God created humanity, and he created humans in his image. And yet, ever since Adam and Eve, 
ate of that forbidden fruit, all humans have been sinful since. And the penalty of sin was death. And yet Jesus went and died the death for us. That is why we celebrate communion. That is why we take that piece of bread and remember that was his body, which was broken for us. And we take the cup. We remember that is his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. He died so that we might live. And Isaiah helps us see his death. And so I would like to invite the ushers to come forward. And what we're going to do is we're going to pass the bread first. If you're a first-time guest with us, I want you to know that these elements are available to you on one condition. We ask that you identify as a follower of Jesus. If you're still unsure, if you're not convinced that he really is the Messiah, that he really walked on water, that he he did all these things, then I'm just going to ask that you just very politely and respectfully allow this bread to pass by. But if you are a follower of Jesus, then I invite you to take and remember his death with us. As we pass the bread, I'm going to read from Isaiah 53. As you hear these words, I want you to think about Jesus and his death for us all. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. Man of sorrows, Lamb of God, by his own
Isaiah continues. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, there was no deceit in his mouth. Sit of heaven, God's own son, to purchase and redeem. Reconcile the very ones who nailed him to. as having prolonged days, as having an extra portion. 
He receives the spoils. He comes back alive. Listen to it from Isaiah. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with transgressors, and yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Let us celebrate the resurrection of Christ. So see the stone is rolled away Behold the empty tomb Hallelujah Oh hallelujah Isaiah already this morning, but if you brought a Bible, uh, whether a paper copy or digital one, would you open it up to Isaiah 55? Isaiah 55, verse 1. We've already seen Jesus' birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. But Isaiah didn't just write these words because he was bored. He didn't write them because he was an artist who felt inspired. He wasn't trying to write some fictional account and just happened to get some things right. He was writing because he was led by God to write through the Holy Spirit for his readers. He's writing to try and guide his readers. He's trying to change the lives of his listeners. And the fact that you and I today have heard some of his words, the the fact that we are now going to read a few more of them, means that we are his readers. We are his listeners. And it means that God is wanting to guide us and to change us. Isaiah 55, verse 1 through the first part of uh, verse 3. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. 
Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligent to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. One day Jesus uh, was out teaching the crowds and they were absolutely blown away by what they were hearing. And pretty soon it was getting really, really late. And the disciples kind of figured out, whoa, some of these people have walked a long distance and we haven't eaten anything all day. We probably should send people home so they can at least go and get something to eat. Uh, some, they might even faint along the way. And Jesus stops and says, nah, you feed them. And the disciples kind of like, um, do you realize how much money it would take to feed this crowd of 5,000? There's no way. And one of the disciples says, well, this boy has some fish and some bread, but what good would that do with these thousands? And then Jesus performs that miracle. He takes the fish and he takes the bread and he just begins to break it apart. And they fill up baskets and everyone ate. And they even had leftovers. The people were blown away. But what began to happen was the people, they began to want to follow Jesus. But it wasn't to follow Jesus because of who he was. It was to follow Jesus for what they could get. They just wanted food. Jesus knew their hearts. And so he cautions them. He warns them. And he begins to teach something really, really bizarre. He begins to tell them that his body is true bread. That his blood is true drink. And so if they really want to be a part of him, if they really want to follow him, then they need to come and eat. They need to come and drink. But when the people heard the invitation, they were disgusted. Understandably so. And, and many people, they're like, this is weird. And, and so they walked away. Because they only wanted Jesus for what they could get from him. They didn't actually want him. Yet Isaiah is writing to his readers. And he gives a very similar invitation. Come and eat. Come and drink. So why should we in- accept his invitation? Because if a God could write these incredibly descriptive words 700 years before Jesus ever set foot on this earth, then I think he knows what's going on with you. These words here prove the sovereignty of God. He knows exactly what you're going through. And some of it, he's even allowed because it's for your good. He is molding and shaping you into the image of Jesus because he wants to do something great through you. He's going to dig down deep and do it. But are you going to be like the people who were disgusted at Jesus' words and walk away? Or are you going to come and eat? Are you going to go and spend your money on things that don't matter, on things that don't satisfy? Are you going to fall before the one who truly can satisfy? Come before the one that when you hear his words, they are the words of life. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I invite you to change that today. That you let today be the day that you say yes to Jesus. That you come to him 
and you begin to eat of him, you begin to drink of him, you hear his words, and you live. Most people, when, they, when their eyes are open to this, they express it in prayer. They, they basically will tell God, Father, I realize that I am a sinner. My sin has kept me apart from you. And yet you loved me so much to go and pay the penalty for my sin. Jesus, you died for me. And you now offer me life. So because Jesus, you gave your life for me, I now give my life to follow you. That's you today? Come. Come and eat. Come and drink. Come to the one who can truly satisfy. As I look out upon my church family, I know a lot of you have followed Jesus for a number of years. And yet it doesn't mean we still don't go through our own hardship. If you've been struggling, if you've been suffering, you've got questions, you're wrestling, you're doubting, I want to extend the exact same invitation. Come. Because just as God, through his sovereignty, allowed Jesus to be crushed for our iniquities, he might be allowing this to happen in you so that he can mold you and change you and shape you and break out of you the things that don't look like Christ so that he can chisel you into that image of Jesus so that you will go and love like Jesus loved and live like Jesus lived and go and be a blessing to the world. So the invitation that Isaiah gives us to come and to eat, to come and to drink, it's simultaneously a humbling thing because we're realizing we can't get satisfied anywhere else. Only Jesus alone will do. And yet it is a celebration because we finally found it. And as we celebrate that, it should do nothing more than to compel us to go and see God use us to change people's lives with this amazing truth. So will you guys come? Will you come to Jesus? With all your hurts, with all your sorrows, with all your baggage, will you come and lay it down to him, letting him, through his amazing grace, change you? Because if a God can write these words 700 years before Jesus ever came to this earth, he knows what's going on with you. He loves you. So stop fighting. Surrender. And come.
Jesus is calling Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy From the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling all of our cares, all of our burdens, anxieties, the fears that we have. We lay everything at your feet. And God, we thank you that um, from generations and generations back, you've provided a way, you've prepared the way that we can have joy and have eternal life. And, and we can experience that even now, this day. We don't have to wait until paradise and heaven with you. God, we can, we can know what joy is. We can know what we believe and why we believe it and in whom we believe and in whom all things are made possible. So God, 
we close out this day, we thank you for the message. We thank you for the, the words of, of the prophet of old in Isaiah uh, that, that still rings so very true to this day and so powerful. And our lives can be changed because of promises made even way back then. And so, God, we, we thank you for what you're going to do. Uh, as we sing one last song, God, be honored and praised and just continue to do a work in your church's lives. In Jesus' name. creating one God Almighty Your Holy Spirit conceiving Christ the Son Jesus our Savior I believe in God our Father I believe in Christ the Son I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. Judge and our defender, delivered and crucified. Forgiveness is in you. Descended into darkness, in rose in glorious light. Forever seated high. Sing it out, church. I believe in God our Father. I believe. Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one, I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus, oh I believe in you, and I
I believe in life eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. For I believe in the name of Jesus. Yes, I believe in 